Welcome to the Careers, Employability and Skills podcast from Queen's University Belfast. This episode was recorded as part of the Industry Insight series, featuring a panel of manufacturing and engineering experts, Stephen Kelly, Gordon Parks, Dr. Katrina Thompson and Steve Patton, hosted by Carl Webb. Uh, where we will be focused on a crucial industry cluster uh, that includes energy, engineering, manufacturing and production, where there is an abundance of career pathways for students of all disciplines. My name is Carl Webb, part of your careers, employability and skills team. And today I am delighted to be joined by a panel of sector experts themselves from a variety of backgrounds who have taken a pathway into this thriving cluster. The session offers a valuable insight Uh, fueling ideas for your future and we encourage you to be as as participative and ask as many questions as possible. So just a couple of simple housekeeping rules for the session. The session will be recorded. Uh, Please be muted uh, during the session unless of course you're asking a question. Uh, Cameras are best off during the presentation parts of the session but you're more than welcome to turn those cameras on when you're asking a question. This is a a relaxed session, but you may want to blur your background and make sure you have minimal distractions, obviously. Uh, Feel free to populate the chat along the way um, with any questions, and we'll do our very best to field those during the Q&A part of the session. We are really blessed to have a fantastic panel of industry experts joining us for the session this afternoon. They will have an opportunity to, to introduce themselves properly, and you will have direct access to ask them lots of questions. So as a sneak preview, Uh, You will be meeting today um, Gordon Parks, who is the Human Resources Director of NIE Networks since, uh, has been since 2000. He was appointed to the board in May uh, 2019. He is a board member of the Board of Trustees of the Grand Opera House Trust and of the Royal Belfast Academical Institution. He's been a board member of the Labour Relations Agency and a member of the CBI Employment and Skills Committee. And since 2013, he has been a Chartered Fellow of the Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development. He's really widely recognised in Northern Ireland as a a leading human resources expert with particular expertise in the energy and manufacturing sectors. We're also delighted to welcome Dr. Katrina Thompson, Head of Research at Artemis Technology. Katrina is an aeronautical engineer with 30 years of engineering experience and and a broad range of sectors across offshore, telecommunications, aerospace, and marine. The consistent theme theme is a passion for numerical methods and analysis. Katrina's PhD research was in computational fluid dynamics, and she has an MSc in finite element analysis. She's also a recent TEDx speaker, and the the talk is well worth a watch. Um, So I'll I'll actually send um, through the link in the chat in a few minutes. Well worth watching that. We've also got Stephen Patton. Stephen is a mechanical engineering QB graduate uh, and is responsible for uh, research and development activities across two sites at Glen Dimplex. As program manager, he oversees the design and development of water heating and renewable energy products that range from integrated heating and cooling systems to commercial water boiling products. So uh, these are extremely busy people. So I wanted to extend a thanks to all of them for giving up your time this afternoon. To kick the session off, I'm delighted to welcome today's keynote speaker, someone who is no stranger to our TV screens and radio airwaves in recent times, 
and who has become a synonymous voice when it comes to anything related to protocol, supply chain challenges, and energy costs. Stephen Kelly, Chief Executive of Manufacturing NI, plays an important role in celebrating the manufacturing sector here in Northern Ireland and representing industry on important issues, including energy rates and labour issues. At such a critical time in the protocol-related negotiations, Stephen is ducking in between a multitude of meetings today, so we are really grateful for him coming, coming along. Stephen, on behalf of the students and the wider university, thank you, and you're very welcome to this Industry Insight session. Carl, good afternoon and good afternoon to everybody else uh, on the call, uh, and thanks for asking me to come along here today. Uh, I've, uh, it's a great honour, actually, to be asked to speak uh, to our, our future leaders and industrialists and talent in our uh, workforce. Uh, if I challenged everybody uh, who's on the call, regardless of the industry sector that you believe that you're you're studying towards, if I challenged everyone to kind of think about the Northern Ireland economy and ask themselves about what does the Northern Ireland economy look like now, but also what does the Northern Ireland economy look like in the future and where they would choose in terms of uh, an industry sector to to uh, enter in terms of the uh, the workforce. I think most people on the call would probably consider that manufacturing was a twilight part of our economy, but actually all the evidence is completely the opposite. And if I gave you a couple of kind of significant examples, the last time we had an economic crash back in 2012, 29 right through to 2012, uh, lots of jobs were lost in the economy, lots of jobs were lost uh, across a number of industries. But actually, from the period of 2012 up until 2021, those jobs have been recovered and indeed more. And when you look at the net increase in terms of those jobs, that is dominated by our manufacturing community. That's dominated by businesses uh, who are making stuff for markets here at home and abroad. So rather than actually being a twilight part of our economy, it's actually the most vibrant and the most uh, forward looking and the most impactful part of our economy in terms of the, the rebirth of jobs. And you can ask yourself, well, why, why is that the case? Well, culturally, uh, this is a place where people tend to run towards problems and try to solve problems. Uh, and if you're in a manufacturing business, you spend every moment of every day looking at how you make things better, faster, quicker, cheaper, stronger, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So inherent in our own character as a people is that problem solving uh, capability. And because of that problem-solving capability, people have gone and looked at markets at home and abroad and created solutions for problems that are identified in marketplaces here uh, and right across the globe. And if we look at the manufacturing sector as a whole, we are particularly strong in and around our engineering sector. So whilst uh, our food sector is the largest in terms of employment numbers, and from a manufacturing subsector, food's the largest in terms of employment numbers, it's actually our manufacturing and engineering sector uh, that actually contributes the most to the Northern Ireland economy. So what we have, and when I'm talking to you here today in, in Tum in Mid-Ulster, you have an employment market which is a hugely vibrant sector and a hugely vibrant uh, employment market. When I look at the manufacturing businesses, including the one where I'm, I'm dialing in from today, only about half of those jobs are directly on the shop floor in terms of actually making the products. The rest of the jobs in manufacturing tend to be those jobs that support those people who are getting in there with tools, 
with ingredients and components and raw materials. So what, what our average manufacturing business looks like is about half the workforce is uh, the operational side and the rest is the, the support side. So it's people in marketing, people in finance, people in research and development, people in leadership and direction roles. Right across all our businesses, we have a huge array of different jobs, different functions and different responsibilities that require people of all talents, not just those people uh, who are good with their hands in terms of making things. And, then, and as we increase uh, our efforts to uh, make uh, our businesses more productive, as we increase efforts in terms of robotics and industrializing uh, our processes, what we need is more people with particularly uh, technology skills. So now we have uh, in our businesses, not just people who can bash bits of metal together, but people that are uh, very strong technologists, people who can program, people who can uh, take data, analyze it and suggest ways in which things can be done better, quicker, stronger and faster. So the jobs that are available in our manufacturing community are not the old traditional jobs that people knew and understood. They're highly technologically based, they're highly uh, functional based, but they're also uh, jobs that provide enormously positive careers. So when I look at uh, some of the ambitions that my son, for instance, would have, he's incredibly keen to travel and explore the world. He's incredibly keen uh, to meet an employer who's willing to invest in him and an employer who uh, will ensure his personal and professional development is looked after. And increasingly, that's where the manufacturing community sits. I jokingly say to, to lots of people that, uh, that right now, today, in the Amazon jungle, there's people with Tyrone accents commissioning bits of heavy machinery uh, in marketplaces, uh, in that marketplace. Uh, if you wish to travel, the manufacturing community and the manufacturing sector is a place where you can begin that journey. Uh, and if you wish to travel in terms of your own personal development, our employers are willing to invest in you. The employment market right now is incredibly hot. Uh, it's almost like we've we've exited COVID and everyone's disappeared. There isn't an employer out there who isn't looking for new staff and talented staff in order to join their team to ensure their success. And when we look at the results even yesterday from the Ulster Bank in terms of their purchasing managers index, in the last month, manufacturers have recruited at the highest, the second highest rate on record. Those jobs have returned uh, that uh, that were put on furlough. But in addition to that, manufacturers are putting on thousands of new jobs in terms of their, their workforce. Here in Mid-Ulster alone, there's roughly about 3,000 jobs lying vacant at this point in time in and around our manufacturing community and in and around our engineering community in particular. So I would encourage you to, to kind of look, regardless of the sector you're in, if you're in engineering or if you're a specialist in terms of energy, those jobs are absolutely available to you. But also, if you're in marketing, if you're in finance or any of those other functions, then the manufacturing community has an opportunity there for you. What I would also add is that uh, we haven't done this research in, in the north, but in the Republic of Ireland, they've looked at those new technology jobs and what the opportunity is there uh, for the future. And what they've identified is that 89% of all those new technology jobs depend upon traditional sectors in order for those jobs to, to be realized. So those jobs that are created in IT companies and others, they are really dependent on having a strong manufacturing base and having people in other industries uh, so that their job actually exists. So regardless of your, your skills area, regardless of your educational area, what we find is that manufacturing is open to you as a career 
and manufacturing will provide you with that opportunity that you wish in terms of in terms of your own development. Carl's asked me to, to kind of briefly discuss my my own background, and I find myself engaged with the manufacturing community by accident, as a lot of people do. And it's really uh, it's really just down to a set of particular skills that I have and experiences that I have, rather than that technical ability. So if I kind of reflect on uh, those sets of values and those experiences that I've had and what might be useful for you in terms of your own career, I've picked out a couple of things and I'm going to challenge you with a, a couple of questions, not to, to ask me here, but to go away and consider yourself. From a, a values point of view, the first thing that I've uh, done in terms of my own career is I run towards things that scare me. Uh, employers are very keen for people to come and sort issues and problems. And those things that really scare you, really challenge you, they encourage you to grow, they encourage you to, to, to be inquisitive, they encourage you to find solutions. So one, the first thing I would say to you and as you're beginning your career is to run towards those things that scare you. So if you're looking at a job that may be online and think I'm not good enough for that, or I don't know enough about that, that should not be a barrier to you to actually uh, attempt to get that role. When you're in an employed uh, position and people offer you opportunities to, to do things that you've never done before, really run towards those things. That leads me to the second point, which is I walk through every door. I, I very rarely refuse a conversation because there's no occasion where a conversation actually costs you anything. You tend to find that you always gain from it. So if there are invites, there are opportunities. It is, an, it is important that, that you take those up and you walk through that door and be willing uh, to engage with that. The third thing to say is that uh, there's an old saying that if you're not on the table, you're on the menu. So that's about being present. That's about ensuring that you're actually there when uh, critical decisions are being taken, there when things that are impacting on you or your business or the uh, area of work that you're engaged in. You have to be at the table uh, and you have to insist that you're on the table uh, because if you're not, you'll not be considered. So for us, being at the table means that you're not on the menu and being at the table means that your your input is valued and appreciated and, and there's no excuse for not uh, having that included. The next thing is about saying yes to more things than you say no to. And employers uh, love this. Uh, so the people that are first to stand up and volunteer, people that are first to stand up and say, yeah, I'll get involved in that. I'll participate in that. Leave that with me. Uh, I found that that is actually a very positive way in terms of increasing your influence within uh, the workplace, but also increasing your influence in terms of this community as well. So I would encourage you as many opportunities that you can to say yes to things rather than saying no. Uh, the last thing I would say is, and this is a, a, a constant reminder from one of my board, which is um, a gentleman of 82 years of age. He's the fastest man in the world at over 70 years of age across 100 and 200 meters. But he has a, he has a, a very firm belief uh, that uh, you should never think that it can't be done. Uh, for us, it's all, and for individuals, we should always believe that we're, we have the capability and the, uh, the connections and the resources that we need to actually make a difference and to make sure that things are done. So never think that it can't be done. And then the last thing I would say is offer to lead, but never alone. Those people that tend to get themselves into trouble are those who try to lead and charge off on their own, without actually considering that actually you need people alongside you and you need people with you. So the challenge will be to you as you move into your employment and you move into your career, offer to lead, 
but make sure that you bring people alongside you. I'm going to finish with three questions for you, uh, which is for you to take away to really consider yourself in terms of your own uh, career and your own set of values. The first is, where do you get your energy from? And that may sound like a very weird question, and people may think, well, I get my energy because I get eight hours sleep at night, or I get my energy because of two cups of coffee first thing in the morning. But that's not the answer to this question. This question is really about what's inherent and what's deep inside you as an individual, and what makes you motivated to get up and to go to work, or to get up and go and study, or to get up uh, and go and make a contribution. There's a, a series of triggers that we all will have which really energizes the things that we're interested in, the things that we're uh, keen to contribute towards, the uh, the difference we're trying to make in our in our homes or in our community or in our world. So consider really yourself about your own energy and where that energy comes from. And if you understand what that the answer to that question is, you'll seek out things that actually energize you, that will motivate you and can and uh, ensure that you can continue to make that contribution that you want to make. <coughs> Excuse me. The second question is, what is your purpose? So for, for many people, uh, they, they really don't know this question and they may leap their entire career without actually understanding what their purpose is. And that purpose can be uh, any, any purpose at all. It could be that I need a job because I want to earn a good living so that I can have a family and a home and a comfortable life. My purpose is that I want to change uh, the success of, of my community or want to change the success of the people that I'm working alongside. But when we really understand what our individual purpose is, we really understand uh, what our contribution should be. And it gives us a great focus in terms of what our career should be and what we need to do to, to satisfy that career. And then the last thing is, what is your legacy? And for many people, they don't, they don't uh, conclude what their legacy should be, but we all have a responsibility to enter this world and to leave it in a better place than, we than where we found it, to enter the workplace and leave it in a better condition than what we found it. Um, and for me, that's the one single focus that anybody in any leadership role, regardless of the level of that leadership role is at, but that issue of identifying what your legacy shall be and what contribution you need to make in terms of ensuring that legacy is actually met. And if we can answer that question in our individual lives, in our individual businesses, in our individual careers, we'll create better businesses, better communities, and a better world for us all. Thanks very much, Karen. Stephen, thanks, thanks very much indeed for that contribution. Um, fantastic, and lots of lots of uh, practical takeaways there. I particularly like your 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 phrase: "If you're not uh, on the table, you're on the menu." Um, that's that seems a, a, a very uh, uh, apt sort of phrase to take away, but I think I think the the the, the overriding um, thing that I'm taking away from this as well, Stephen, is the positivity around the sector at the minute in terms of the uh, you know the injection of new skills and technologies into the sector to make it very current. Uh, and the fact that you've you've alluded to the fact that we've had an increase in jobs uh, and and the uh, net gain on, on new jobs is uh, really positive and encouraging. So. On, the, on that note, um, and I'm, I'm encouraging you all to ask some questions along the way here. Um, you know, populate those to the chat, or if anyone has a has a question, please raise your hand. Um, and we are going to move on to our next speaker, and if I can ask uh, Gordon, Gordon Parks from NIE Networks. Uh, hi, Gordon. Uh, thanks hi, for Carl. coming along. 
Um, thank you, Gordon. So I'm going to ask Gordon if you, I'm not sure if you've got any slides to present, um, but I am um, going to pass it over to you at this stage. Thanks, Carl. No, there's no slides. Uh, thanks, Perfect. first of all, for the, for the opportunity. And first of all, just to say I concur totally with everything that Stephen has said in relation to, first of all, the importance of manufacturing. Having spent my life in manufacturing, I totally recognize the importance to this economy and to the world economy. And also lots of great advice there from Stephen, and I'll try and build on that as well with, with some additional pieces. I thought I would focus maybe on five things. A little bit about me first and the mistakes I've made along the way and the learning from that. A little bit about you, each of you on the call and the skills you're going to need in addition to your degree, building on what Stephen's been saying. A little bit then about what's happening in the world in terms of what's going to generate the growth in jobs over the next 10 years, and then specifically NIE and what we do and our sector. To start about me, um, I've been um, executive director of HR um, within NIE for the last few years and within the company for 21 years. I originally joined for three years, but I've liked it so much I'm still here. And that says something about the company and the values of the company. Um, 40 years into my career, and I've had eight different employers. I never, never stayed in the early stages uh, long enough to be caught on. was basically um, one of the things that people used to tell me. Whereas I've stuck this latest job for 21 years, so uh, there's been no getting away from the uh, outcomes from my decisions over the last 21 years. I've had four different types of jobs, and each one of those jobs I've fallen into by accident. Interesting the way Stephen said that um, that's how he started. Um, accident is how um, my career was not planned. Accident played a big part in it. Um, first job was a productivity analyst. How that happened was I did my business degree and then suddenly thought, what am I going to do now? I have no idea. So the first thing I did was I went along to the job center to sign on the door. And as I went to sign on the door, there was a new program for graduates that was launched. And it's been running. I was one of the first participants way, way back then. It's been called a number of uh, different programs. But it's a graduate development program run by the department. And it places graduates placements into, at that time, mainly manufacturing organizations. And I was placed into a tannery as a result of do, doing that program because I got great advice in that job center. Trial that program. It's a good way to get you in. It's a long interview. You get a six-week placement in a company, and you can probably get a job out of it if you do a good job. That's what I did. So um, I got great advice um, at, at that first job center. It steered me onto that program. I learned how to be a productivity analyst, and that was my first role in a tannery just close to where I lived. Um, so that was the first accident. The second accident was um, my uncle was unwell, and I was looking after him at a point where he was unwell. And he said, I'd been three years in the tannery, and he said, Gordon, Get yourself out of that tannery. You're local. They're local. You've got to move on if you want to move your career on. If you want to move your, your potential, you've got to move in your career. And that was one of the best piece of, pieces of advice that I'd ever, ever got. So um, as a result of that intervention, I then um, moved and got a job within Bombardier and stayed eight, eight years there. Was an operations manager there five of those years then moved into HR consultancy and then moved on into HR consultancy. And then for the last 25 years, I've been an HR director. So everything happened because of an interaction with someone, someone who proved to be a very, very good mentor. And that's what I would suggest to you. Um, as you move forward in your career, seek out good mentors, people that will give you advice, keep people that will steer you in the right direction. 
So after a series of accidents, you know, I finally, around 20 years into the career, started to plan my career. So just some thoughts for you. And 40 years in, what's the learning for me? First of all, I didn't have a vision. I didn't have a purpose that Stephen talked about, and I didn't have a plan. I had neither of those. I was just drifting through life. And, you know, one of the things that I look back on now and say is, did I have a vision? I probably did. My vision for about 20 years away was I wanted to be in some form of a senior management role and I wanted to help people. That was the vision. But I didn't back that up with a strong purpose. What? Why am I here? What am I about? And what's my plan? So first piece of advice is take a look at what you want to do. Have your vision. Focus on your purpose, as Stephen said, and then put it into action through a plan because things will happen if you plan them. And they'll, you know, everybody's not so lucky. I had a bit of luck. You have to have luck when you when things happen by accident, and that doesn't happen to everybody. But you can take control with a strong plan. And secondly, as I said, get yourself a good mentor at each stage in your life, either within your employment, with a good close relative who's in business or someone that you know. Seek out mentors, people that can support you. Third thing is you're going to fail a lot. I've just tried to add it all up for this morning. I've had eight different jobs in my career, but I've applied for, here's the, here's the number, and I recorded them all, 77 jobs I've applied for in my career. That's the number of failures I've had to get eight jobs. So use the failure and build on it. When I was, I think it was 21, I applied for a managing director role. I thought at 21, I could be a great managing director because I didn't know what I didn't know. I had this vision. I didn't have the purpose and the plan to go with it, but learn from the failure. I got a fantastic letter back from that application explaining to me what I needed to do to have the skill set for a managing director. Now, 20 years in, I began to realize I didn't ever want to be a managing director. It was an HR director was what I was more suited to because I enjoy helping others. So learn from the failure. Embrace it. Be willing to sacrifice also um, the, the key things that matter to you at a point in time. For example, if you're close to your family, but you recognize you're gonna to have to travel and get international experience as part of a, say, a manufacturing company, embrace it. As Stephen quite rightly said, I think the key thing is walk through that door, be willing to sacrifice to build on your career. And the final piece of advice from my learning is to, to enjoy what you do. And if you don't enjoy it, life's too short, move on. Don't get stuck in roles you don't enjoy. I see so many people where they've, they've just got stuck. And in, in, in this company, we have lifers, people that have worked here for 30 years, 40 years. Some of them really enjoy it. There's the odd one that you find really doesn't enjoy it. And the challenge for us is to how do we ensure that for the rest of their career, what they've left with is that they do find a way to enjoy it. So that's the sort of advice, the skills that you're going to need. I, I've selected 10 skills that I believe you're going to need beyond your degree. And the first three are, you'll see very clearly coming from the latest uh, areas of, of difficulty that the economies are all going through. You need to be adaptable, flexible, and resilient. Those are the first three in addition to your degree. You're going to need to be a good problem solver, a good team player. You're going to need to be creative. You're going to need to have strong emotional intelligence, understand people, have good leadership skills, digital skills, and entrepreneurial skills. Those are the 10 skills nowadays that all the research is showing that in beyond your degree, that will take you far in your career. In the world in general, there's a lot happening and it's important for you to be aware of that. There are seven major mega trends driving jobs and driving everything. The technical and digital revolution is one of them. Resource scarcity and climate change and rising sea levels is another. 
a shift in global economic power. Look what's happening now with the way Russia and China are playing about with energy prices and it's affecting everyone and it ultimately affects the, the, everything we pay for. The rapid urbanization where 70% of the world's population within the next 10 years will live in cities. There's increases in um, the, the uh, aging population. We've got uh, huge demand increases for energy that we can't cope with. And our energy will increase the demand by 50% over the next 10 years. So those are the major megatrends that are driving jobs. And then again, also to build on what Stephen was saying, the sectors that are offering jobs and growth, manufacturing is key. The key to any successful economy and successful individual careers is manufacturing and the growth that that generates. We've also got agri-food, we've got ICT and technology, we've got the creative industries, retail industries, tourism, health technologies and energy, all growth sectors at the moment, all offering a wealth of interesting jobs. Within our own sector, which is where I'll finally uh, finish, um, we're, there's 600,000 jobs across the UK. There's going to be 280,000 vacancies over the next 10 years in the energy sector, 15,000 additional vacancies in this sector in Northern Ireland. There's currently 12,000 people in both energies and utilities in this sector, and that's going to grow by 15,000. So lots and lots of potential in this sector, and it's a, a sector we need to encourage a lot more young people into. NIE ourselves, we uh, own and manage the electricity network. We're like the veins flowing through your body. We, we uh, transport the electricity right across the country. The uh, electricity network will stretch around the world twice. So it's a big network and it needs a lot of work, a lot of investment. It needs to be re refurbished. Some of it's 40 years old. It needs to be rebuilt. We need to connect renewable energy. We need to connect people um, who want to uh, put solar panels on the roof, they need to be able to do that and generate their own electricity on the network. So we invest about 100 million a year in the Northern Ireland economy, and we're a 1.6 billion company. And our vision is now to deliver sustainable energy for all. It used to be to keep the lights on, which just was a bit narrow. But our vision looking to the future is to deliver sustainable energy for all. That includes all the work around sustainability, electric vehicles, the wind power, solar power, we have to help enable all that through having an effective network, an efficient network that can drive all of that. The target was to be at 40% of electricity generated from renewable energy by 2020. We're now at 50% in this country. We're leading the way in, in renewable energy. And the target is to be 100% by 2050 and 75% by 2030. And that's going to drive lots of innovative, sustainable environmental technologies which will um, create massively um, interesting jobs across a range of um, different types. And um, Stephen, again, highlighted the different jobs that are available. We offer 30 different jobs, not just purely engineering. Obviously, primar primarily, we're looking for electrical engineers. We're looking for software and electrical engineers. We offer scholarships, placements, in addition to jobs in those roles. But we also offer brilliant jobs in finance, HR, communications, legal, procurement, project management, customer service, digital, environment, sustainable. The list is endless. There's 30 odd different job categories that we have. And as Stephen said, we have currently 40 vacancies. We can't fill 30 of them at this point in time. Can't fill them because good people with the right qualifications and the right aptitude are not there. They, this is the worst re recruitment crisis for in-demand skills that I can remember in the last 20 years. And so therefore, it's great for you guys at the moment, great opportunity for you to look at a range of employers.
which is why we want to take the time out to talk to you, the future employers. It's important we put our best fit forward and promote ourselves to you guys. The future is yours. It's an exciting future. It's um, a great opportunity for you to, you to find a job that you enjoy. Key thing is have a vision, have a purpose, have a plan, get a good mentor, embrace failure, use what you learn to make sure that um, you play to your strengths. And finally, just best wishes for the future. Thank you. Gordon, thanks very much for that. that was a fantastic insight. Um, it really was. There's some, some um, great words of wisdom there, and I really appreciate your input. If I could ask you just to, to mute in the meantime, there, Gordon, because we're getting a little bit of feedback maybe from, from my from my uh, microphone here. Um, so that, that was fantastic. I think um, a, a point to make just in terms of, I know uh, Stephen and possibly Gordon as well, I know that you guys both have uh, really busy schedules. Stephen, you've already said that you'll need to make probably an early exit. So feel free at any point um, and please accept our thanks if you do nip away before uh, any, any of our next speakers and for the Q&A. Uh, thanks very much for, for, for coming along. Um, but at the same token, we'll, we'll keep hold of you as long as we possibly can, Stephen, if that's okay, because we will likely get some um, questions coming through. Um, Gordon touched on some really important issues there. Obviously, one of the, the, the major mega trends at the minute around uh, the huge pressure on our energy sources and obviously that leads to a drive for uh, sustainability and, and uh, new kinds of, of energy and energy efficiency. So I'm delighted um, to welcome our next two speakers, but we'll, we'll start with um, our, our, our next speaker, Dr. Katrina Thompson, who is head of research uh, at Artemis Technology. So Katrina, if you're there and I get to see you coming on, I am going to uh, disappear and let you uh, take, take over from here. Thanks very much. Thank you so much. Can you, I actually do have some uh, slides to share, so I'll try and do that in the background. You can let me know if you see them before you disappear off, if that's all right. Um, bear with me. Surely, yep. You can let me know what you see. Hopefully. <laughs> something's coming, Katrina. Something's on its yeah, way. something's coming. There we go. Yep, I can see those. Thank you. Okay. All right. Well, first of all, um, I just want to say thank you, actually, for inviting me along to talk to the students. I know um, Queen's has actually been a really big part of my life, and, and I'll touch on it in the next slide when I introduce myself and give you a bit more detail about my career journey. But it's, um, it, it's my home university, and I'm very pleased to be talking to you today. So I've got slides because I'm not as good as flying off the cuff as, as the rest of our uh, as the rest of the presenters. So uh, bear with me as I, as I talk through them. Um, can you let me know if that's changing on your screen? Because it's changing on mine and I'm not sure if it's being reflected. I, I don't see that change yet, Katrina, actually, no. All right, okay. I'm going to share it in a different way. Otherwise, I'm just going to end up talking through it. Bear with me. Mm, right. So you're not seeing any changes to the slides. I'm going to stop sharing and reshare, if that's okay. I did try to send no, these to you earlier, um, Carl, but it didn't get through the email system. <laughs> oh dear. Right, well, I'll give it one more try, and if it doesn't work, then I'm happy to just talk through what I've got here. I'll not take too much time um, working about with it. That's fine, Katrina, thanks. Let me see. What did we say? Oh yeah. So 
Katrina, actually, it looks like... Uh, oh, right, can we see that one? It looks like we can. Actually, I can move them here for you, it seems, on the presentation. So if you want to give me a prompt. Right. Uh, thanks for that, Monica. You you pointed that out. So um, I've got the arrows here. So if you want to just give me a, a prompt to, to move it along, Katrina, then okay. I can do that for you. Great. Well, I'll try it at this end. And if it doesn't work, we'll keep going anyway. Now that we're Perfect. getting started, I want to talk about um, a wee bit about my academic experience and my industrial experience. And it actually um, ties in really well together because you'll see that for someone who, who um, I studied aeronautical engineering at Queen's and really I went into aeronautical engineering and my sole intention was to get a degree and get out so that I could go work in industry. I kind of knew that was always where I wanted to be. Um, and I moved straight away to London after graduation and worked uh, in Lloyd's Register of Shipping in the offshore industry. And I think that's my very first point about transferable skills. I did a degree in aeronautical engineering and um, was kind of expecting to go and work in an aircraft company. But when I started looking at the opportunities that were around, um, I, I decided that I wanted to move away and do something a bit more adventurous. So moved to London, worked for Lloyd's Register Shipping, and really, um, while I was there, learned how to work in an R&D environment, started working with finite element analysis software, and we were writing our own software at the time, so became interested in software development and structural analysis, and um, picked up a lot of skills there for my time there. But for somebody who raced away from university very quickly, I um, decided that I wanted to go back and do a PhD. So um, I ended up leaving my job in London, moving back to Belfast and did a PhD in the aeronautical engineering department again with um, in the field of computational fluid dynamics. So um, there seems to be two very different categories of engineers. Some people love making stuff and some people love doing sums. And I strongly identify as one of the, the ones who like doing sums and analysis and figuring out methods and seeing how things work, but um, really not one of the most practical engineers you'll ever come across, but it takes all sorts. So um, in my PhD, I actually spent a lot of time developing numerical methods and also working as a software, you know, um, actually writing code and doing software analysis and, and um, writing um, algorithms. So I thought, oh, I love software engineering. I'm going to be a software engineer and that is genuinely a path that I followed my whole career which you'll continue hearing a bit more about but it wasn't accidental it's always intentional but what I tend to do and have done the whole career is to get interested in a subject and then just follow that through get some experience in the area and then find my new interest and and it's not like it's not like every two years, you know, it's more like every six to eight years, you know, find a find a passion, follow it and see where it leads. But every time with intentionality. So I actually worked as a software engineer and um, for BT and did that for for a significant amount of time, like 10 years in software and project management um, and gained a lot of experience in um, in working, really being involved and in seeing how um, companies develop their processes and systems and I took a lot of area took a lot of um, experience from that area and applied it to my next my next uh, phase of my career which is really the second half of my career which is um, working in the aerospace industry so once uh, once I decided that I'd taken the software engineering and project management work as far as I wanted to go with it I, I went back to my roots and 
approached a company and asked them, could I uh, work for them as a structural engineer and really pick up back on skills that I'd gained previously in the offshore industry, you know, developing finite element software and, uh, you know, skilling up in that area. But because I had all the other experience in the previous jobs in software engineering and project management, I was able to tell them about, you know, what I could bring to the role aside from the degree that I had in aeronautical engineering. And that worked really well. And um, for me, I stayed in the consultancy for um, seven or so years and spent a lot of time getting experience in uh, various aircraft programs, commercial, business jets, some work for the military. And uh, it was a really good experience, which then led for me to go from there to working for Bombardier. Because what I really wanted to see was the product. You know, it was all very well and um, doing analysis and working on um, tools and but not being directly involved with what I was actually what, what was being manufactured was it was a real um something that was missing for me. So I was uh, very excited to go and work in Bombardier and spend several years there working in their stress engineering department and um you know really helping to lead the FE team there. Which brings me uh, on to a sort of fairly pivotal decision was to leave the aerospace uh, industry, not industry itself, but actually um, working in Bombardier and go and return to Queen's, which is something I seem to have form for, and go back and undertake postdoctoral research. Because what, what I was missing from in my time in Bombardier was the, the space and the, the time to actually think about, um, to think about uh, how I would develop as an engineer rather than just constantly reacting to um, project demands, but to take time out and actually think about um, gaining new skills and taking the skills that I had and actually looking in areas that, that maybe I hadn't had time to explore yet. So I had a really good experience three years um, in my most recent position in Queen's working alongside Rolls-Royce and the School of Mechanical and Aerospace there to, um, to actually do some research and it was uh it was it was a really good time that I enjoyed there which brings me to my most recent position and something that I wanted to talk about in more detail is my role within Artemis Technologies so my uh my habit of being really intentional about what I want from my career is to sit down and think about the skills that I have the strengths that I have and the weaknesses I might have and to identify where I really want to work and what I really want to do with my future. And that's something that I've consistently done, although it seems like I, I um, have been through many different roles. There's always been, as, as uh, Carl said in this introduction, there's a consistent thing, which for me is numerical analysis and, and research and um, taking the time to, to think things through and figure them out. And um, so I, I will admit to possibly stalking Artemis Technologies online until I saw they were ready to recruit and um, and jumped at the opportunity to work here. And really, um, for me, uh, this is this is uh, what I would call a dream job. You know, I get the opportunity to work across a whole different set of fields. You know, you can see some there on the slides, the research topics that we have um, on way, underway at the minute. And it's across so many fields. You know, you've got structural engineering, composite manufacturing, but we're also looking um, in the areas of software and systems development, poetry and looking at alternative fuels. So um, I feel that for somebody who likes to be interested in a million different topics, that this is 
this is the right place for me. So I'm hoping that uh, that I can take a moment or two to talk to you a little bit about Artemis and um, what what we're all about. And you can see for yourself that really um, there, there's a lot of scope for, for graduates to get involved in, in a company like ours. Um, our, um, our vision, really our vision is to lead in the decarbonisation of the maritime industry. So we all know what, what problems there are from, from the, the emissions that are really present in the maritime environment. And this is, this is what drives us forward. And we want to become the market leader in zero emission vessels and that's that's what we're working towards and i want to just take a little moment to i'm not going to spend a lot of time in detail um, on the technical contents of these slides but i wanted to talk to you about our company and, and what we do so we're a spin-off from um, the america's cup uh, racing team so founded in 2017 and really we have a toolkit that is is really impressive it's amazing we've got the computer simulation tools you can see the sim there where we take our physics models and align them with um, the vessels that we're developing at the minute and we also uh, we also do sell racing services as well so through our ceo uh, dr ian percy he provides coaching to various racing teams as well so it's a really um it's quite a varied company to be involved in um, and the cutting edge technology that we're, we're actually innovating is so impressive. The one thing that I will say that I really enjoy about this company um, is how we're bringing together so many different industries, which is what I particularly like about seeing people from motorsport, from aerospace, from various uh, car manufacturers and from naval architects. We've got so many different people coming together to try and deliver this solution to try and um, produce this Artemis e-foiler that's going to make such a difference to, to basically um, how we travel within Northern Ireland and, and beyond. So this is something that really um, I, I feel very strongly about. It's, it's amazing to be part of something so exciting. Um, I really just want to touch on the breadth of the, the, the um, areas that we, we deal in. You know, we've got mechanical engineering, we're doing manufacturing, we've got, we're looking at material selection, we're looking at control systems. So there's there's such a broad scope of, of activities that are available within, within the company. Um, but the thing that makes it really exciting to me is when I um, I know that we're working towards this product that is going to be launched um, really early next year. So this is something that's concrete. It's, it's something that's going to allow us to demonstrate the uh, technology that we're working towards to actually bring ferries to Northern Ireland. So this just wanted to share with you a little bit about what we're we're about um, there before I uh, nip on and talk about the um, key skills I think about whenever I think about graduates coming to work in, in the company or for myself whenever I was starting off in my career things that you know when you when you don't have any experience at the beginning um, it's it's really it's really up to ourselves to figure out you know what strengths we have and, and what we can talk about when we're going to meet future employers and I know there's so many opportunities within university to get involved in different projects and to get involved in different programs that are that are running and I would just um, encourage you all to join everything that you're interested in and to find what your interests are actually would be the key thing. That's one thing that um, I've always felt very strongly about is to know what you're good at, know what you're weak at and figure out how you improve uh, the, the areas of weaknesses, but really capitalize on your strengths as well. So um, 
one of the things that that I find in dealing with with graduates is that if they have if they have a passion and an interest and maybe particularly for the company vision and the mission that we have then a lot of the other stuff can be taught so there's there's natural characteristics that you will have as graduates yourself um, and it would be my advice to you that you would um, you know tap into those but if you've got passion and an interest then everything else will probably come along quite quickly and um, the one thing that leaps out as me uh, at me when I think about my career is transferable skills and hopefully you've seen um, from what I was talking about previously that in every role that I've had I figured out what I have learned and what I can bring forward into the next role to grow on that so that's that's something that I've been um, focused on my my whole career and I hope, hope you'll take that advice away. Um, one thing that I did want to point out is that we are we are a manufacturing company, we're a technology company, high technology company, but we also have a lot of other roles and activities that go on in the company. So it's not just, you know, obviously technical is very, very strong for us. We're, we're looking for engineers, we're looking for, for computer scientists, we're looking for all the technical roles, but there's so many other departments in the company that will allow us to work together to deliver that ferry that I showed you in the previous slides. And, and those are all areas that maybe non-engineers can, can think about working in or people who, who have different backgrounds, but a passion for, for the company, basically, and a, a passion for working on a project like this. So um, sort of that whistle-stop whistle tour of Artemis, but uh, to sum up, one of the things we've been asked to, to think about advice I gave to the student self. And, I think I touched on it earlier and actually a few of the previous speakers have as well is just just learn what your passions are and what your interests are and really focus on finding out what you want to do, what will make a difference to you and how you can make a difference to other people. So be intentional in your decisions, you know, it's good to to follow a path, but don't go into things blindly without giving it some thought. But one of the things I've really taught myself in the last few years, and I think Stephen touched on this as well, is just to do it scared. You know, it might be that you feel like you're not 100% equipped for whatever role it is, um, but you can, um, I just do it anyway. You know, for example, the, the TEDx talk, when I was asked to do that, you know, my natural inclination was to flee. But um, just doing it anyway and putting yourself in positions that aren't necessarily very comfortable is, is I found, just to be a good thing. Um, and also be very open to meeting people and talking to them and finding out what roles are available. Really think about companies that you're interested in. Jobs tend not to land in people's laps. So really do the, do the research yourself and give it some thought. And um, the other thing that I wanted to say was uh, don't go through the motions, you know, be involved in um, what's happening in the company, pay attention, volunteer, be enthusiastic and don't be don't be uh, one of the people who sometimes think it's not my job, it's not my role. You know, try and get involved and and just be open and and uh, you'll go far. But uh, that's really it for me. I uh, hope I didn't take too much of your time, and I just wanted to thank you for for listening. And wish you good luck. Fiona, thanks a lot. That was fantastic, and you know, again, sort of so much to to take in uh, and to be inspired by, but particularly sort of uh, love the way that you have in many ways followed your passion but you've kind of reinvented yourself a few times along the way there so there's a there is a, a driving uh, need to think for for us all to have sort of a, this 
or develop this this culture of lifelong learning. So I think you've 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 uh, personified that in many ways. So uh, no thanks thanks for that, Katrina. I hope you're you're okay to hang around here. Yeah, for sure. We've got. Uh, another um, speaker coming through. So um, if I'm delighted to welcome um, Stephen Patton, who is the program manager uh, for Glen Dimplex, uh, heating and ventilation. Stephen, um, I'm just going to pass it through to you. So if you've got any, I'm not sure if you've got slides, Stephen, but uh, I'm basically going to disappear and you can take the mantle. Thank you. Problem. Thank you very much, Carl. Um, thank you very much for having me. Uh, afternoon, everyone. Um, I have a few slides. I'll just share those now and talk a little bit about. A little bit about this was my path where I've kind of come from and what a current employer uh, is busy doing at the moment. So assuming those have come through okay, just someone yep. confirm that. Yeah. Can see those, Steve. Thank you. So as Carl mentioned, I'm program manager for Glen Dimplex Heating and Ventilation. So that involves overseeing packages of our R and D activity across two sites, one in Portadown and the other County Louth, um, just south of the border. And who, who Glen Dimplex really are, first of all, I suppose, uh, just set that scene. The business was founded in Uri in the 70s, and at the moment we have six key divisions within the business. Some are domestic appliance manufacturers, who I work for, heating and ventilation division. We, our vision is to be the world's leading sustainable appliance manufacturer of, of heating equipment. And we have a number of sites across across Europe in the heating and ventilation division. Um, Group-wide, we have sites across the globe in pretty much every continent and the most major cities. Um, the heating and ventilation division, we manufacture products in, in Portadown. We manufacture products in, in Uri and also in, in Dunmere County Louth. And, and across in England, we have mostly sales and distribution. And in Germany and Norway, we also have mainly sales distribution and some manufacturing. So the products that we, the, some of the brands that we that we um, produce product for, you may be familiar with. Um, have them on the on the screen here. Mainly Dimplex would be your heating appliances, uh, storage heaters, panel heaters, uh, and so on and so forth. Most of those are now actually manufactured in, in across the Portadown and um, the Newry factory. For me personally, I'm more involved in the renewable heating products. So we manufacture um, solar panels in the past, not so much at the moment, but heat pump technologies and integrated heat pump systems would be the main products that the business manufactures today. Some of the examples on the screen here are some of the various heating appliances um, from storage heaters to direct panels, more aesthetically pleasing products for um, various applications um, right through our, our heat pump type offerings. So those are existing products. Some of the new products that the business is developing um, outside of the renewable scope would be the flame effect fire type products where we have a lot of high demand for areas for um, apartments and homes where solid fuel fires may not be may not be um, fitted that the end user likes to have some sort of um, artificial effect um, technology. That's a, a growth area within the business at the moment. And the area that I personally am overseeing with the, the various teams are our zeroth energy system, which is um, 
know, in context where it's situated, this product would be mostly installed at the moment in apartment blocks, um, high-rise apartments across London, Manchester, as an example. But the product is reasonably new, and the vision for the future will be installation across the rest of Europe and further afield um, as, the, as, as time goes by. Um, separately then for domestic settings for individual dwellings, we have a, a new Thermosense project, which is actually just being prototyped as we speak at, at the factory. And the vision for next year is to install this product in, in homes across, across Europe and UK and Ireland. So that's a very quick overview of who Glen Dimplex are. In terms of, kind of my own personal um, career path, I graduated from Queen's in 2007 and joined Glen Dimplex a number of months later after a short stint working with Terex Finley and Oma as a design engineer and really saw the appetite that Dimplex had and the growth vision that they had for the renewable sector and that was something I was very passionate about and got involved there as a design engineer and progressed um, kind of through the different ranks in that business, senior design engineer through the program manager, where I currently manage two R&D teams across a couple of sites um, and coordinate the activities of, 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 of the teams there. Um, in terms of other kind of useful bits from my own personal experience. I've graduated from Queen's with a bachelor degree in mechanical engineering, but soon realized that I needed to somehow differentiate myself from my peers. So I'm back to study an MSc through Loughborough University. And the benefit of that for me personally just was around that I could do it um, distance learning. And kind of coming out the other end of that, I found that, that enabled me to grow within the company a bit better than, than I might have been with, without it and enabled me to become chartered um, a lot more effectively and quicker and allowed me to grow within the business and kind of um, progress through different um, ranks there. In terms of you know, career advice, what I'd offer my younger self or, or anyone on the call, I can't better what was already said. Um, some fantastic advice already given by the previous speakers. But for me personally, one of the first things I would advise you to do when applying for jobs is apply in an area that really excites you and has, so aligns with your own passion and, and, and vision and direction that you would like to see your career go in. But also, you know, at a very basic level, read the job specification in more detail than you, you think you might need to and really understand what it is employers are asking for and address each and every single bullet point listed on on the jobs specification sheet and demonstrate how you, you know, fulfill the criteria just as I say at a very basic level but it's one of the more regular oversights that I personally would say graduates um, Missing out on when 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 recruiting people re even re recently, and and try and find something that differentiates you from other people who may be applying for that particular role, be it a hobby or an interest or something that you've studied in the past or an area that just 
makes you stand out as a little bit a little bit unique in your own in your own way um, other than that I, I can't really give anything better than what was previously said in terms of um, career advice but I certainly would take on board any questions that anyone has um, if there's anything you know specific other other jobs someone mentioned one of the questions was around other other roles that may be design related in the local area and um, from my perspective and what what I can contribute to that is that there's you know, we're competing as an employer with so many different people at the minute and it's, just, it's a real challenge to attract the right candidates because there's so much opportunity out there from likes of ourselves who are constantly recruiting through to the industrial quarrying type businesses that um, you see across Tyrone through to different project management type roles that's constantly coming across so um, there's certainly a, a variety of opportunities for graduates to um, apply for just at the moment. Stephen thanks very much. Um, a great overview of, of Glen Diplex, some fantastic uh, work. So the products coming through from there, you'd never, you'd never really realise that they're coming out of Northern Ireland. So it's it's great great to see an insight uh, like that. And, and uh, thanks as well for the, the practical tips and advice, because I think you're right. It's very much uh, sometimes an oversight for people just to uh, miss out on the details in terms of um, uh, job criteria, etc. So that's a really, a really valid and practical point. Um, I'm going to ask if there's uh, any of the other panel members still on board, if you can um, turn on your cameras uh, and uh, we'll just address a couple of the questions that have come through here. Um, I know that um, uh, Gordon's still here, fantastic, and Katrina, fantastic. Okay, so thank you, folks. Um, so just, I know there was a question, just I'm just going to run through the chat um, just to make sure this is covered. So. Uh, this is one for you specifically, Katrina. Uh, what is the biggest challenge Artemis is facing uh, or has already faced and overcome when it came uh, to the develop, developing the ferry? Um, well, I can only speak to what I've noticed. I've been in the company for about six months, so I, I'll speak to, to what I know. I'm sure maybe somebody else would have a different, a different answer. But um, I've noticed recently, um, really, the supply chain issues have been a real problem for us, you know, finding things, uh, you know, where, where it used to be previously your design phase was the, the longest lead time in a project. Sometimes um, we actually have to go and supply those items and get them manufactured. It really can have a massive effect on, on the, the time scale of the project. So we've been having a lot of problems, um, I guess, through Brexit and global supply chain issues and, and all those other issues are, are, are having a knock-on effect on us. And I suppose one of the other things that I've, that I've noticed as someone who's fairly new into the company is that you know, Artemis was a racing team and racing teams and racing um, vessels don't have the same regulatory needs as um, a company who's trying to produce a commercial ferry. So there's a different way of thinking and when you start interacting with government and certifying bodies, class societies that that maybe have regulations that, that wasn't that weren't the same for a, a racing company. So those are all things that, that 
we have in hand and that we're we're you know dealing with but those are there are things that are different very much from the, the way the racing way of life which is just build a bone and make sure it goes fast and and doesn't fall apart and, and does the job that it's needing to do so and um, that's very much you know that those are the the, the things that are day-to-day -day practical stuff but also and recruiting is is a major problem for people in northern ireland you know there's there's more jobs than there are graduates right now, so they're coming out in a very good time. That, that, that's the, the three things I would be going with for that one. Hopefully that answered the question. Thank you very much. You have indeed. Yeah, I hope, hope so. So um, feel free to raise your hand, guys, if you want to ask these questions directly as well. Um, Kyle uh, has asked, uh, I'm probably covered some of this, but this might be an opportunity to kind of recap on some of the uh, some of the learnings here. But what are the key skills and experience employers such as yourselves are looking for in applications from graduates uh, for engineering related jobs specifically? If I can open that up to any any one of you, or all three of you actually. Well, I'll, I'll go first if that's okay. For engineering yep. graduates, you know, we are looking for people who work well in teams or um, I'm assuming that, well, we'll talk non-technically first, but so people that work well in teams and who are adaptable and are very capable of solving problems um, and that, that really have a natural um, ability to work in an innovative way. So people who think for themselves, be part of the team and actually really engage and I suppose in a technical um, capacity, you know, mechanical engineers, aeronautical engineers, automotive engineers, any any really kind of relevant engineering degree would be useful to us. You know, we know that people are coming out with a degree and that they have the key skills that they need, or they have um, they have the, enough education to be able to uh, tackle any topic. So what we're really looking for is enthusiasm and passion. You know, we know that graduates coming out of Queen's will have a good degree and they'll be they'll be well placed to pick up any task that we give them. So um, I would say, you know, don't uh, don't don't put yourself in a little box by what skills you have, just um just just apply and, and um, your passion for your subject will come through. That would be my advice. To add, I know you had, had probably covered some of this and what you presented earlier, but maybe there's any particular highlights you would you would say. Not sure if Gordon, Gordon can hear me. Yep. Sorry, Carl, I just caught uh, the audio just dipped out there. I'm back in again now. Um, in relation to the degree, first of all, we have an excellent partnership with Queen's in relation to sponsorships. Which are worth about twenty-seven thousand um, pounds, and specifically the qualifications for that is our first or second year MEng or a first year BEng, um, uh, and that's in electrical and electronic engineers, the triple E as it's known, or in software and electronic systems engineering. So we offer scholarships for that specifically. We also welcome graduates who've come through any of the other uh, broader engineering routes, and then the skills um, beyond that are very much you know, aligned to what I was talking about earlier. There's a very strong need now for people who are adaptable, flexible and resilient with um, effective, strong problem solving skills and so on. So, you know, I, I think I covered most of that uh, of that question earlier. Um, but key thing nowadays, in addition to the degree, is to be able to demonstrate all the softer skills. Great. Yeah. Stephen, any, anything else in addition? I think just having that ability to 
kind of lift the head up sometimes and look at the bigger picture um, is real quite helpful. So if you're focused on design tasks or um, project related tasks, kind of asking questions, understanding where that fits into the wider commercial activities of the business as well, um, may not be something that is your strongest point or, or area of most interest, but having just that level of understanding is quite key in demonstrating your ability to just see how you fit into the bigger picture and where your projects are relevant and what you're striving to achieve. Perfect, great. So uh, I think all of you guys talked about sort of following your passion and you know finding something that you're really interested in. And Laura has asked a really good question here. If you are interested in working for a company and they aren't advertising at the time you're looking, would you recommend contacting them in any way? Um, and if so, what is the best way to do that? I know that you referred uh, Katrina to stalking Artemis at some stage, so you might have some input into this one, but uh, eager to hear from all three of you guys. Um, yeah, self-confessed. I I, um, I guess LinkedIn wasn't around um, back in the day, but it is now, and, and people can be very active. I am pretty rubbish on LinkedIn, but I'm, I'm always uh, available to make connections and to talk to people. I'm not great at sharing stuff, so... Uh, you don't see much from me on there, but I'm happy to connect with people. And I have always tried to um, identify companies that I'm interested in and and, and approach them. And, and sometimes they're not recruiting and that's OK, but you make a connection and you stay in touch and you don't have to. Um, I don't I never tortured anyone for a job, but I, I genuinely if I wanted to work somewhere, I made sure I found out somebody that worked there and I let them know and then um, and then the rest usually happened pretty organically. But um, yeah, I, I definitely would um, be open to to being connected with people who are interested. Uh, we currently have a register of interests that we've opened for anyone who's interested in a career within NIE networks. If they contact the HR team, register their interest in whatever area that they're interested in, whether it be engineering, procurement, digital IT, whatever, then we'll keep a, a note of it. And we have a number of vacancies at any point in time. We will try and match the register of interest to a current job. And then if, um, if, if it works in terms of a, an appropriate match, we'll set up an interview. So we have an open system at the moment because of the number of vacancies we have. And that's likely to stay open for at least the next year. No, I think if companies don't have any sort of platform to register an interest, just dropping your CV and cover letter to the HR representatives or um, as was pointed out, stalking someone from LinkedIn is, yeah, two good options. OK, great, thanks. Uh, yep. Yeo has a, a question just on, and this may come down to interpretations of STEM, but I, I, would, I, would, I would be interested maybe just to hear on this. Um, as an electronic engineering uh, student, I recently found a job in UK or Ireland. I've seen many companies said they need STEM students, but not sure if electronics is included in STEM. I would imagine it would be sort of from my definition, but is there any, any difference of opinion amongst the panel here? Certainly not. No, it's it's key. Um, in our sector, in particular, we've we have ensured that electronics is is part of our STEM, and we promote that as part of our STEM careers. Yeah, hundred percent agree. <laughs> yep. Yep. We've had a question. Uh, just just so that I'm not ignoring any questions, there is one specifically on 
project management and construction, but I, I think we'll we'll probably cover that off um, in another industry insights session because uh, you guys are really uh, working within construction as, a, as it were right now. Um, so any other questions coming through? Has anyone else come through? Since I missed, if I've missed anyone, please raise your hand and I'll, I'll look up the chats to find you. Well, listen, I, th I think um, it's it's that time of the afternoon, guys. Uh, appreciate. It. I can hear some Tommy's. Tommy's actually rumbling here at the minute, so there's clearly lunchtime is upon us. But I would like to thank um, each and every one of you, as Stephen Kelly, who I know had had to, to leave us a little bit prematurely um, this afternoon. But um, thanks to Stephen for for kicking the session off. Gordon, um, fantastic energy and sort of obviously words of wisdom coming from someone who. I would uh, recognise as a guru in, in, in HR um, and, and I know you're sort of a leading expert in Northern Ireland. So thanks so much for giving up your time. Katrina, fantastic story. Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you've got a, a close uh, relationship with Queen's uh, and, and lots of history with ourselves, but it's fantastic that you're able to sort of bring that back in um, from an employer's perspective. So thanks so much. And for Stephen um, from Glen Dimplex, uh, it's an organisation we're working with on for example, our um, employee autism program. So we're, we're, we're certainly enjoying working with you um, as an organization, but fantastic to see the, the, the products and technology coming out of your business at the minute as well. And thank you very much for the contribution this afternoon. Um, that, uh, that was really kicks uh, or uh, signals the end uh, of our third session. Um, just for students who are still on board, just a couple of things to flag in terms of looking out. Um, our next Industry Insight series is your future in science and health and that's on wednesday the 27th uh, at 12 p.m um, we also in advance of that we have the graduate recruitment and placement fair um, and i know some of our employers here on board today are going to be at that um, so that's two to six and also check out my future for obviously all of the latest placement and uh, uh, graduate roles coming uh, to you there as well as an opportunity to book a personal consultation with one of our careers consultants as well so Thanks very much for attending this afternoon. Wish you a brilliant afternoon. Look forward and see you again soon. Thanks a lot, folks. You've been listening to a podcast from the Careers, Employability and Skills team at Queen's. Music by Ben Sound. To access all industry insight-related resources, please visit our website, go.qub.ac.uk slash careers events or follow at QB Careers on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter.